Hello, and welcome to ADHD Essentials, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm a former teacher and mental health clinician turned ADHD coach, trainer, and consultant. I can be reached at brendan at adhdessentials.com. Here at ADHD Essentials, we help families develop the skills and knowledge needed to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? As usual, a big thank you to Jeffrey Gordon of Ideal Video Strategies. He did the heavy lifting on editing this episode, and I greatly appreciate his help. The next round of the ADHD Essentials online parent coaching groups will run in September. I already have people contacting me about them, and we'll be spending the next week getting back to you. If you're interested, email me at brendan at adhdessentials.com or go to adhdessentials.com slash parent groups to register for a free call. The members of the ADHD Essentials Facebook community are connecting with each other regularly and sharing lots of useful resources. If that kind of support is something you need right now, consider joining. Go to facebook.com slash groups slash ADHD Essentials community to sign up or look for the link in the show notes. And don't forget about our partner podcasts, ADHD Rewired and Hacking Your ADHD. In ADHD Rewired, Eric Tivers shares excellent interviews with ADHD experts and ADHD adults. And in Hacking Your ADHD, Will Curb provides practical, actionable tips on how to manage your ADHD so that you can do more of the things that you want to do. And finally, if you enjoy this show or you've enjoyed shows in the past, all I ask is that you provide a rating and review on iTunes. It helps others find the show, and your reviews are greatly appreciated. Welcome to the show. Today, we're talking to Joyce Kubik and Robin Nordmeyer. Joyce and Robin are ADHD coaches who have created a program to help ADHD and non-ADHD couples better manage their relationships. In today's episode, Joyce and Robin share with us some ways to navigate blame, excuses, and defensiveness in relationships. And we also discuss the importance of being able to slow down and pause, ways to improve our communication, and how couples can support one another. All right, let's get rolling. I'm Joyce Kubik, and I have been working with ADHD for over 20 years now, working with adults as well as as, uh, students. And I find that working with adults is very, very interesting, considering the fact that I have been through this myself as a, as a person who's married for 40 years and dealt with somebody who did not have it and somebody who, and myself who does have ADHD. I'm excited about this interview uh, today because it's talking about where we're going to go in a marriage when it gets so complicated and so difficult. And I think that together, Robin and I have built something really strong that you will all be very interested in learning, especially at a time where we're dealing now with this COVID-19 and we're all in such close quarters together. Yes, and I'm Robin Nordmeyer, and I'm an ADHD coach as well. I've been practicing for 10 years, and I'm the co-founder of the Center for Living Well with ADHD. I, too, have worked with many adults over the past 10 years or more, helping them with the ADHD-related challenges that come up 
And oftentimes that does uh, include their spouse and the challenges around their relationships. This is very near and dear to my heart. Being married 32 years, being the one with ADHD, my husband and I having to forge our road forward in order to figure out how we're going to work together, how we're going to be effective parenting for children, getting through all the things that are responsibilities as a couple and a household and keeping the peace and being happy along the way. Just for the sake of the listeners, I'm in a similar marriage where my wife does not have ADHD, but I do. I wouldn't say she's neurotypical because she gets chronic migraines. So that eliminates the typical part of things. Yeah, right. But I'm in the same boat where I have an ADHD person in myself and a non-ADHD person in my wife. But one of the ways that I might be useful in this conversation is I'm gender flipped from the two of you. And those gender roles might play a part in how I'm experiencing things differently than you may be experiencing things. The two of you are running, I guess we'll call it a program. It's sort of support workshops and also a study on and for couples who are in an ADHD slash non-ADHD marriage. Can you tell us a little bit about that before we jump into more of the content strategy stuff? Uh, Well, Robin, let me just start off with saying that a research study has already been done on couples with ADHD that was published in the Journal of Attention Disorders that I did back in 2010. And I learned so much from that. I became even more curious. So now what we're doing is we're looking at, uh, that study was done just on one adult, the adult with ADHD. But now we're looking at the married couple where one has it and one does not. And there are many, many measures that I'm going to let Robin talk about there that uh, we are looking at in order to rebuild that relationship back up again. And it starts with that understanding and awareness. You really have to get the ADHD piece, whether you're the um, individual with it or without it, because it all starts to help build more compassion, more teamwork, um, the willingness to let go and move forward in your relationship. We talk about um, many different topics that are crucial with that understanding and awareness, but we also hone in on some of the bigger challenges with ADHD and relationships like communication is a big one. And what goes on in communication between the couple? We talk about working memory, which is so prevalent for those of us with ADHD. We can have the best intentions and then um, forget you know, what we might have committed to or what we needed to do for that day or what we agreed upon a month ago, right? And then, of course, there's always the follow-through, which is a fun topic for me. Um, Joyce and I have something we talk about, that last 10%, that part of a project or part of a task that isn't so shiny anymore, so interesting anymore, and we drop the ball or it falls through the cracks for one reason or another related to the ADHD and how to address some of those things. Let's begin with the communication challenges. Yeah, yeah, it's so relevant right now too because you know, we're in a time in our lives and we're spending much more time together, you know, in the days of COVID-19 as part of it, but even there are times when we're on vacations for longer periods of time or we're in the same space for longer periods of time with the change and transitions that go on day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month. And so sometimes that can create or exacerbate some of our communication challenges we already had. 
And Joyce, um, maybe you would like to talk through a strategy that we love to share during our program that might be very helpful for today or what's going on right now for couples. I refer to the first part of this as B-E-D. B stands for blame, E stands for making excuses, and D stands for being defensive. So when blame doesn't work and you're, the spouse is just so tired of hearing, you know, you're blaming it on this, you're blaming it on that, that doesn't work, we start making excuses. Well, it's because of this, it's because of that. And so now we've got all these excuses and they're not buying that anymore either. It's been a long time we've been listening to this and we're just not gonna buy it. Then we start getting defensive. And what we have to define in the area of defensive is what does that actually look like and sound like? So there's two areas there. So when, we get really, when we're getting defensive, we're actually getting very anxious. So what does anxious sound like? So many people give me descriptions of behavior rather than what it sounds like. I'd like to, to challenge Brendan on that, but I'm not sure. Are you ready for a challenge on this, Brendan? Yeah. Do you want me to say what defensiveness sounds like? Yeah. What does it sound like? Sentences aren't always completed. Sometimes your voice gets raised. Sometimes it doesn't. And that kind of depends on whether it's a defeated defensiveness or an, an aggressive defeatedness, right? Because sometimes it's like, no, I didn't do anything. And other times it's like, I didn't do anything. Depends on where the emotions are when that happens. There you go. Raised voice is one of the things. Yes. In the same regard, if you're being aggressive with your defensiveness, you're speaking more quickly. And if you are being sort of like submissive in your defensiveness, then you're maybe speaking at the same pace, maybe speaking more slowly. <laughs> yes, yes, it can be differently. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. almost completely I statements. I didn't do this. I didn't, I tried, I should have. Later on, it might flip to you, 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 depending on the person. The other thing is that they talk fast. So you've got higher pitch and you've got a loud voice. And then all of a sudden we're, we're talking really fast. And, and instead of hearing, well, here's what happened. And let me explain it to you. It's like, well, I didn't know what, what was going to happen. How am I supposed to know that? And then the voice just starts escalating and escalating. And then that ends up into uh, behaviors that are unacceptable. And then all of a sudden we're looking at um, how do we look? How do we appear to people when we're defensive? And so what we're looking at there is what's the body language? Are the arms crossed? All of a sudden now we're not just standing there talking. Now the arms are crossed. Um, our shoulders might be up. Uh, we might not be making good eye contact. We're looking away. We're doing, we're trying to kind of escape and sort of scooting back a little bit. You know, maybe I can get out of this room before and then they won't see me anymore, right? So, but that's not going to work either. So, and there's a number of different body signs and languages that we use. So what we try to do is to get um, everybody that's in the group to identify them, not just for themselves as the person with ADHD, but as a couple. It might even help even as a family that we would spend a week where everybody has to think about all of this and how do we communicate. And I think during this time with COVID, when we're all on top of each other, and all of us here on the call have heard the stories throughout the last few uh, weeks and months here. You know. And so I think that it's going to really help with being able to understand how do we communicate. So when I hear that higher pitch tone in my voice and the loud voice and I'm talking fast, I have to calm it down. Or somebody gives me a signal and says, let's try that again. You know, let's, let's do this all over, you know. 
So doing things like that. So that's the part that, that we were talking about, I think will help a lot of people during this time. It's about catching ourselves in that moment and finding ways to pause, right? To hit the pause button, slow down the conversation, slow down the storytelling, if it's about blame and excuses, um, and get back to a place where we're not emotionally hijacked and we're able to tap into, you know, that cerebral cortex part of the brain that allows us to do higher level thinking and problem solving. And so one thing that's been really helpful uh, in couples and families is to develop a keyword where the person who's already emotionally hijacked might not be able to pause, might not be able to stop it before it gets carried away. But as a family, they decide on a random word or a random sign, signal, whatever works for them that catches the attention of those in the room so that they can all take a pause and have permission to pause. And by doing that, they can take a short break. They can do the breathing they need to do. They can change their environment to get to a happier place. They can catch up with their thinking, what's going on in the moment, and tap into some of that higher level thinking about perspective, about options about how they might be creative in their approach to a situation. This is going to be really important when we're all together so much more and the um, opportunity for conflict is going to be at a higher level for us or frustrations or anger or emotional outbursts, right? One of the things that I talk about in my, in my coaching groups for parents around communication is the nature of challenging conversations and asymmetrical information where if I want to have a conversation with my wife or more often when my wife wants to have a conversation with me, that's kind of an intense conversation, whether it's about money or it's about healthcare or whatever it might be. If she just brings that up to me and she's like, can we talk after the kids go to bed? That's no different than your boss being like, we need to talk. Anytime someone says we need to talk, right? You're like, ah, what? And then when you're in the conversation, they have all this thought process that they've already done and you're scrambling to keep up. And if you're the ADHD person, or even if you're not, that can be incredibly anxiety inducing and that can lead to the defensiveness. So one option that I, that I share with my coaching group clients is to just send an email. If you have to have a really important conversation, let your spouse know, hey, I want to talk about the bills after the kids go to bed because we're not going to have a conversation until they go to bed, at least not one like this. But I sent you an email so that you know what my thoughts are. It's nothing too intense. I'm not upset. We just need to problem solve around some stuff that's getting out of hand or we're spending too much money in that area or whatever. And that allows your spouse to decompress a little bit, get to the same level of understanding of the problem that you're at. And when you have the conversation, it's much more effective because you eliminate that defensiveness. What other communication strategies do you guys have? In communications, if, if we're looking at communications, there, there's another acronym, I must like acronyms, that I came up with that is F-E-D. And it stands for stick to the facts. This is talking about 
We're talking here about being in a conversation and so that we don't go into the blame and the excuses and being defensive. We want to be able to stick to the facts. The E stands for emotions. Cut out the emotions. If we can keep our emotions down and not have to deal with that in a conversation, because emotions can just redirect the entire conversation into something completely different. And then the D stands for defensive language. So no defensive language. Don't stand there and try to defend yourself. It doesn't have any value, especially in the conversation you're trying to have if it's a serious one, if it's one with your boss, let alone with your, your wife or your husband. So if you can stick to the facts in a conversation, cut out the emotions and no defensive language. And again, you can use the pause technique that Robin was talking about if that defensive language starts and someone can say then, please, let's, let's take a pause here. Take a deep breath. If both the spouses know and understand what BED and FED are about, then they're on the same page. And you can say to each other, we need to pause. So we want to have a well-fed conversation, is what you're saying? Well-fed. I love it. I love it. It's also about collaboration and, and being more proactive. So I love the email approach. I think that's wonderful. We don't want to create that pause and that keyword as a way of getting off the hook or disrespecting someone's feelings in the moment. But when Recognize it becomes a very effective tool to deal with emotions and to get back on track with something that's more um, proactively suited to solving a challenge. That's great, right? That's going to be a better conversation to have. So I always encourage when you do create the pause, when you do break the communication, make sure you circle back. And maybe don't circle back. If you had the fight started in the kitchen, don't go back to the kitchen to resume your your conversation. Very good advice. Yeah, we can get outside and we can walk shoulder to shoulder, right? And now we've changed up our environment and we're doing something healthy like walking, which keeps our endorphins up and gets those neurotransmitters and that oxygen flow to the brain or a different room in your house, whatever works. I love asking questions a lot instead of making statements because when you make a statement to someone with ADHD, it is easy to go down that road with automatic negative thinking or emotional memories that surface that trigger our reactions, right? And so when you ask questions, you're actually tapping into the creativity and the ability of the person to think through things before they have to talk about them. One of the most critical things that people need to hear about questions is Oh my God, don't ask why questions. Why makes people defensive? Instead, you want to ask questions that begin with how or what because it reduces and often eliminates that defensiveness that comes with a why question. In terms of working memory, how is that playing a role in the ADHD, non-ADHD couple? Boy, that's a big one. And it also kind of ties in with communication as well. So these are all very interrelated. So working memory is um, obviously our ability to hang on to fluid information long enough to actually do something with it, right? To be able to recall and to be able to remember now and in the future when it relates to what we were talking about 
in the first place, right? And so it's so easy as someone with ADHD, I know this happened to me so much before I realized what was going on, as I hear something, I think, I got this. I'll remember that, right? Classic, simple example, can you pick up milk on the way home from work? Or can you pick up something from the drugstore on the way home from work? And you say, yes, sure, absolutely. And then what happens as you're driving home, somebody rings you up or you think of something else you need to do and you go right by the store or the drugstore, right? Then you get home and they're upset with you because they were waiting for the milk or they, were, they needed that prescription and now they have to go out and get that prescription, right? Which is um, frustrating when it happens over and over and over in different ways on different days. And that's where the B-E and the D start. I, I blame it on the traffic. I blame it on, you know, whatever, you know. It's about taking ownership and responsibility, obviously, for those things, but finding skills and strategies that you can develop or um, figure out for yourself that are going to help you remember. And that's some of the things we cover in the program, which is nice. It, we could go into so many different areas here with what we cover in those eight weeks. Another thing about communication, too, and working memory, and a strategy that can be really helpful right now, is to develop a powwow time or a huddle time in your home where you proactively go through what's happening in the week ahead. What's on your calendar? What's on my calendar? What are your needs? What are my needs? And figuring out a collaborative approach about who's taking care of the kids when, if you have children at home who are doing something and they need oversight, who's going to be running that errand, um, what appointments do we need to remember to show up on time together, you know, and so when you do that proactively, I always use Sundays, and this is something my husband and I worked on very early on, we had four kids, right, in order to stay sane and make sure we got everybody where we needed to get them, is we would compare our calendars, we would talk about our needs, we would talk about what we hope to get done for our priorities for the week, it would turn into simply, um, you know, five to 15 minute conversation once we got into the groove of doing that every week. And it cut down on so many arguments, so many upsets, so many frustrations, because we were helping each other remember what was important. We also put a whiteboard in the kitchen, which was very helpful for us, where we wrote, wrote notes and things that what we needed to remember and it was always next to the refrigerator because guess what everybody goes to the refrigerator right with working memory it's creating visual cues during the point of performance to help us remember and follow through on what we do and that always helped out quite a bit for us joyce anything to add oh i, I can tell you that time management is probably the most difficult thing for a person with adhd to learn but with the support of a spouse in the manners that we kind of work on this, it's very easy to do. And the people that we have already worked with, it's, it's amazing how important time management has become to them. They see the value of it. It reduces so much stress. Uh, and it's, but it's difficult because think about it. Our minds are in five, six, seven places at a time, if not more. It's always thinking about something else. So how do you manage to look at that planner every day? When you walk 10 seconds away, to get the planner and now you're getting some out of that refrigerator right now uh doing the whole COVID 19 thing we have a schedule that i bought slash made so i just got like a it's sort of a teacher schedule where it's 
there's these little pockets with clear a clear front and you put a like a rectangular sort of mini whiteboard strip thing into each of these pockets and there's we go from 9 a.m to 6 p.m so however many pockets that is running down right and i think we have two extras that we're just not using right now and each of them is an is an hour long basically so there's like a at nine o'clock we're doing this at 10 o'clock we're doing that at 11 o'clock we're doing this other thing working our way all the way down to 6 p.m it's amazing how helpful that is for me let alone my kids and my wife like i just go upstairs and i'm like okay where are we i don't have to remember it because it's written there i'm like all right it's two o'clock so that's what we're doing because i do i work in my basement like my office is in the basement of our house and i'm down here four ish hours a day and i'm spending the other hours with my kids doing school and helping them with all that stuff or getting them outside to or inside to exercise or whatever the case may be what's been fascinating for me is the areas where that system has broken down like you mentioned joyce walk away for 10 seconds and it's gone at first the schedule was on the guest room door and we had birds in that room. So that door tended to be closed because I'm really allergic to birds. And so I needed to not have to suffer from that. But two things happened. One, I realized that if one of us got COVID, we would have to quarantine. So the birds went into the living room because if I have to quarantine in that room, I would just die from the allergies and the COVID. Um, so we took the birds out. We cleared the room, cleaned it up. My wife did, thank God, because I couldn't have cleaned up all that bird fe bird feather stuff. So now that room is not doesn't have birds in it anymore. And the other thing that happened is my wife started working from home. So all of a sudden, that door was open. And the schedule that had been on the door was no longer easy to see because the door would open and I wouldn't see it anymore. And we spent a whole week where the schedule was a train wreck. We had like a week or two where it was fine and then uh, one another week where it was a mess. And I was like, what's going on? And I realized it was just because the door opened and I couldn't see the schedule. So I wasn't keeping the boys on pace and I wasn't keeping me on track. And my wife wasn't staying on track because I'm sort of the, the point person for that stuff, which is a little ironic, even that I'm the one with the executive functioning challenges. It's just the nature of what I do. <laughs> um, but I just moved it over. I just put it on this pillar in our room, in our, in our sort of dining room, sort of transition room area. Much easier to stay on track, much easier to to be doing the things that we need to do. And for anyone who wants to steal this idea, the other element that has been critical to the success of this strategy is the schedule is designed for the kids. So it's like what they're doing because they're not going to be on top of their schedules necessarily. My wife and I have schedules in our Google calendars, work mostly on top of it. And what I did was I got, I took some binder clips and index cards and in this case, it's colored index cards, but it doesn't have to be. And I cut the index cards up to match up with the binder clips. And I made little flags that I just clip onto the edge of that schedule that say, mom's busy, dad's busy. And we can move them up and down based on when we have meetings and when we have to be away and can't help the kids so that the boys know when we can help them. And also, nice. my wife and I know whether one or the other of us is available to help the kids or have a conversation or give each other a hug or whatever it is that might need to happen in that day. And I recently added a third flag that says, shh, dad's recording so that the whole house knows when I'm doing a podcast and they just need to shut up for an hour. <laughs> I like that, yeah. <laughs> we had a little bit of a laundry drama where my wife had put a laundry 
load on and it got unbalanced. And so it was like thunk, thunk, <laughs> thunk in the other room. And it was my fault because I didn't communicate to her that I was recording a podcast episode. And I, so I didn't get mad at her, but I was like, I'm turning the laundry off because it's making all this racket. I wasn't trying to correct her behavior or be a jerk, but even that, because everything is so heightened, she felt a little bit accused. She felt a little bit like I was saying that she was doing it wrong. And I, mm-hmm. I then immediately clarified and was like, no, no, you didn't do anything wrong. This is on me for not clearly communicating the fact that I was recording a podcast episode. Don't worry about it. I'm telling you that I turned the laundry off because I'm going to forget that I turned the laundry off working memory. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that to blow up in our faces later. I know you'll do a better job of remembering it, or at the very least you have the time to jot down a note. And I don't, because I had to go right back to the interview. I like that. I love that. I love that. That's wonderful. So the other thing is, you know, with communicating and proactive ways to help you remember in the moment is the follow through piece too. What's great about that is you set up those stations so that they were there where you needed to follow through. They were there where your family was at the time and what they needed to focus on because follow through is hard as well. And for more reasons than one, it might be about the working memory. It might be about the the communication. It also might be because, hey, guess what? It was so much fun starting this project. It was so much fun thinking about how to do this project. Um, but now it's not so much fun. Married to a uh, now retired Navy pilot, right? Who's all about the details. If you don't pay attention to details, they kill you, right? <laughs> when you're the airplane. And so it was really important to him to finish what you start. And it was really important to pay attention to the details. And I'm more of that big idea person, love the shiny stuff, obviously, right? Uh, Could think through the process, but once I had it all figured out and mapped out, getting all the way through it was hard for me, right? There'd be something else that might get my attention or I'd run out of time or I'd run out of steam. And that happens over and over again in relationships as well. What saved us is really paying attention to each other's strengths, what we brought to the table, how we could work together collaboratively uh, to accomplish what we needed to do, whether it was related to the children and their responsibilities, the household and their responsibilities, who does what, who's better at meal planning, who's better at parenting, you know, and it wasn't a good cop, bad cop situation at all. It was about how do we work together as a team to make this turn out great for us and our family. And let's go there, right? The, the ideas of how ADHD couples can work together more effectively. What are some of those ways? We've, we've mentioned making things vis- more visual is going to help. What else might be useful? For last 10, 15 years, I've always mapped out the flow of my day. Uh, like a planner, you know, on paper, I actually use markers because that's who I am and, and I like color and I like checking things off as I go, but it's like my GPS, kind of like your board. To get through the day, I carry that blank sheet of paper with my flow of day mapped out with me. And one thing my husband uh, would do that's been very helpful helpful for working together, remembering, collaborating, is 
he would actually ask me something when I would have the opportunity to put it right on my plan for the day, knowing that I wouldn't forget. Or I arranged with him when I was running out the door, I would say, can you text me? Can you email me a reminder? And he was so happy to do that because things just turned out a whole lot better when when we were able to work together like that and it wasn't from me being dependent on him um, from that perspective it was really about how are we going to work together so we can be successful with this and it's it's not fair to hijack me when i'm busy thinking about something else doing something else to tell me something and assume i'm going to get it and remember it and act on it later on in the day or later on in the week. So he's very conscientious about that. That's been very helpful for us. He realizes working memory is a challenge and I work really hard at it, but uh, those little bits of help make a big difference. How about you, Joyce? What have you found as effective strategies for couples to use? I think that it's really important that we use timers that are on our phone. So we have many things that are scheduled to do. And because it's so hard for us to remember to look at it throughout the day. So the important things, the big things, the important is leaving for doctor appointments, um, meetings with your spouse, things of that sort. You need to set the timer about 15 minutes prior to on your phone that says you have that coming up. It's so easy for us to uh, uh, let the time just kind of roll by. We don't even realize it's happening. Things take us, you know, they, they just take us away when we're working on things. And then all of a sudden that time is there and it just rolls by. So setting a timer is really very effective. And also using the planner in a way that you're always planning that last 10% of a project. So we have a project we're working on and I think the one I hear the most about is where somebody has to put baseboards back up and that's the final piece of the project, right? Six months go by and it's like, when are you gonna finish this kitchen or whatever the room is, you know? So I'm going to get to it, I'm going to get to it, you know, well, they don't get to it because they don't have anything that points to the fact that they have that yet to do. It's just floating in their head. As long as it's floating in your head, it's not likely going to happen anytime soon. So what we do is we put time in the planner that says finish up that last 10%. And subtext of all of this is the importance of ADHD awareness both for the person with ADHD and also for the person who doesn't have ADHD, the more we understand what ADHD is and how it works, the more it becomes a reason instead of an excuse. The more it lets us, lets us understand why one of the two of us is tripping and falling down without having to go to the blame scenario because hopefully we've learned strategies to avoid those, those stumbling blocks. And with all of that said, just being mindful of time. Do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with our audience? We don't want marriages to break up. Um, we didn't want our own marriages to break up. And they didn't because we learned the skills and we want to pass that along. And I think it's very important that they take the time to learn more about it and learn effective tools that work with ADHD. The, the understanding of it and the awareness of it. I think that's very important that we should be looking at that. And I would add, don't throw in the towel yet, right? Don't throw in the towel yet. So that's one reason we 
are doing this. That's what inspires both of us to have this workshop and, and do this program because there are these strategies, there are these skills and approaches that can make a difference in relationships. Oftentimes, couples may get, go through counseling, which is very important, that addresses many emotional challenges in a relationship. Now it's all about action. And what can we do that's actionable to move forward and change the way we are together as a couple and being effective, being happy, bringing more joy to the relationship. ADHD coaching is something that's very helpful. With doing that, we encourage um, listeners to not give up yet. Don't throw in the towel. Uh, find some ADHD coaching support or check out our program on our website in order to see if it's the right fit for you and your relationship. You're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at adhdessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, adhdessentials.com. And visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.